The Tragedy of Cinema podcast is intended as a family-friendly program that by extension strives to be inclusive to all people regardless of their ethnicity, gender, creed, or any other identifying factors in this incredibly diverse world of ours. With that said, some of the films we discuss may contain serious subject matters or have content considered morally objectionable by today's standards. We do not intend to condone or dismiss these aspects of these films, but our primary focus will be on what we believe our film succeeds at, some fun facts, and our personal enjoyment factors of each film. With that said, we hope you enjoy the show. story about a boy, a girl, and a very special kind of problem. Did you hear what I said, Miss Kublik? I absolutely adore you. Shut up and deal. Ingredient number two, a brilliant cast, Jack Lemon, in a delightful role which gives full reign to Jack's amazing versatility. Shirley MacLaine, whose glowing warmth lights up the screen like a Christmas tree. Fred McMurray. This is a Fred McMurray you've never seen before. You know, you see a girl a couple of times a week just for laughs, and right away they think you're going to divorce your wife. <laughs> I ask you, is that, is that fair? No, sir, it's very unfair. Especially to your wife. Yeah. Ingredient number three, Billy Wilder. There's nothing quite like that Billy Wilder, some like it hot kind of laughter. Are we dressing for dinner? You know, just come as you are. So you're pretty good with that racket. You should see my backhand. Where'd you see me serve the meatballs? <laughs> Mildred, he's at it again. Alright guys, welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema Podcast. I'm your host Jimbo, and today joined once again by... Kyle Zaner in the house. Kyle Zaner in the house. Kyle, coming up rather rapidly, we will be having our live show with Hillbilly Horror Stories and Middle Aged and Creeped Out on May 20th. May 20th. At the Haunted Jail in the Boone County in Lebanon, Indiana. So, if you haven't got your tickets yet, please... Come see us. Have some fun. Take some pictures. Mm-hmm. Tickets are going fast, so I now. mean, Kyle promises he'll try not to break your camera 
when you take a picture. I, yeah, I try not to intentionally with the camera. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kyle, today we will be talking about episode 126, The Apartment from 1960. This is a Kyle pick. Yes. Um, It's also a movie I had not seen before. So very interesting movie, a very good movie. Um, But it also deals with some tough, tough um, issues, uh, circumstances. Yeah. But it's a a comedy, but it has some serious moments too. So, uh, Kyle, before we get started... The world wants to know why your apartment looks like Joe's apartment. <laughs> looks like Joe's apartment. You ever see that movie with the cockroaches yeah. or his friends and trying to hook him up with Cliff? It's not even a question. You promised me no, a no, question. No, I'm sorry. That was why is your apartment disgusting? <laughs> Jeez. I'm just I having just, dinner with I the cockroaches again. T- I just got to do my laundry. It's fine. <laughs> no, Kyle. But, um, I got the clean pile stuff, and I got the dirty pile. and I, this, Sometimes they mix. <laughs> oh, Kyle. Uh, Kyle, so I'll give you a real question. Kyle, what is your favorite Jack Lemmon movie then? A fat favorite. Oh, a fat fat lemon. Fat, fat, fat favorite Jack Lemon movie. I can't. can't <laughs> I'm tongue tied today. It's gonna be great for the podcast. Um, gosh, I had to look at the year it came out, but I believe it was a. a, a I think Avanti now is right now her Jack Lemon movie. Um, it's a movie where he plays. Um, we'll probably cover it later in the podcast road. Um, but it's about a basically like a a, a rich um, businessman played by Jack Lemon goes to. Um, bury his father who died in an unfortunate car accident and he finds out his father actually had an affair of woman for like 15 years there and didn't tell anyone about it and so in think of in in suing trying to cover that up and make sure he keeps his father's legacy he ends up falling in love with the um the affairs daughter who also died in the car accident and it's just a crazy out there weird kind of movie and i absolutely love him in it i think it's just really kind of kyle picking a weird movie Imagine exactly that. Kyle picking a weird movie. that's absolutely so avanti's my favorite right now um so jacqueline um, what's your favorite jacqueline movie well i think i think Besides regular old men which well, is obviously but <laughs> i think anytime you put walter Matthau with jack lemon i think they're they're together it just elevates the bar mm-hmm. um so i'd probably say the odd couple it's pretty funny, yeah. Uh, but but grumpy old man, you can't go wrong with that. I yeah. I just think their later stuff in life was pretty funny. So. Yeah, I'm just thinking. I'm trying to think of like purely Jack Lemon. Just in my that's what I'm trying to do there. Um, uh, yeah, but we're like we put we put Walter Matthew. And it's, well, like it's I'm like, saying, like I, cheap, I haven't yeah. seen hardly any Jack Lemon movies on his own. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. That's that's why this was yeah. kind of a shock. Yeah. But so yeah. Kyle. We could sit here and talk about all your favorite Jack Lemmon movies and your man crush on him, but let's go ahead and start about The Apartment. Okay, The Apartment um, released on, let me see if I actually find the official release date real quick. Uh, yeah, November 13th, 1915. Oh, uh, for, uh, for the filming date was November 13th, 1959, and the release date, the original release date, I can't, <laughs> I should have looked that up real quick. Was June fifteenth, nineteen sixty. The apartment was directed by Billy Wilder, written by Billy Wilder, um, composed by Adolf Dutch, and cinematographer was Joseph Lachelle. Budget of the film was three million dollars in nineteen sixty, which is the equivalent of about twenty nine point seven million dollars today. 10x increase from 1960, guys. Inflation is huge. <laughs> I wonder how much eggs cost back then. <laughs> yep. Gross worldwide um, was $18.8 million, which is the equivalent of $183.8 million today. So this movie was a huge success. Really great movie. Really great success for them overall. 
Um, moving on to your quick synopsis of the film right quick. We have a C.C. Baxter, played by Jack Lemmon, is a lonely office drone for an insurance company in New York City. Four different company managers take turns commandeering Baxter's apartment from occasion, which is located on West 67th Street on the Upper West Side, for their various extramarital liaisons. Unhappy with his situation, but unwilling to challenge them directly, he juggles their conflicting demands while hoping to catch the eye of a fetching elevator operator, um, character Fran Kublik, played by the legendary Shirley MacLaine. Um, meanwhile, the neighbors in the apartment building assume Baxter's a good-time Charlie, or a hustling boy, <laughs> back in the day, um, who brings home a different drunk woman every night. Baxter um, just accepts their criticisms rather than reveal the truth. Hijinks ensues. Yeah. And as you kind of said, a little bit of the um, the pre-warning earlier, this movie kind of like glosses over what would probably be a lot of serious issues in very real life. <laughs> right. Um, but this movie just chooses to make fun of them. <laughs> you know? In a way that's like, if you're willing to glance over it all and don't have any like, you know, real life, you know, attachments to it, then like, it's okay to write along. But... In real life, this is all we'd be terrible. Like, here's a bunch of guys just being terrible people, <laughs> right? And and they're using um, Jack Lemmon. I can't think of remember his name. Uh, Cece, yeah. yeah. And they're using him uh, for his apartment, but they're all putting in a word with him with the boss, the head guy, so he yeah. gets promoted quicker. Yeah. Um, but when you find out that the head guy is just as bad as the other guys, because all he wants is the key to the apartment, <laughs> yes. you know, yeah. and uh, and they're leading him on too. He's just some right. schmuck in the guy. The four company heads are just like, oh yeah, we're gonna put a good word for you, the boss. And finally, it's not that the boss hears anything about the good words about him being a good employee. It's all about once he figures out that he, you know, like supplies, you know, people. But he does you know. say in the movie, like, hey, these four guys from different departments have all said you're you're a good yeah. guy and you've been here, but. Um, the 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 where it really starts picking up is when you find out that uh, Fred McMurray, the boss, um, his uh, the reason he wants the key is for the elevator girl, which is who Jack Lemmon. You can tell he's been googling over her for who knows how long, months at least. And um, yeah, and it just and but. Fred McMurray is uh is his name Fred McMurray yeah Fred, uh, yeah Fred McMurray yeah he's uh he's he's actually married with a family yeah uh, two so, kids and a loving house and right, loving life but yeah. but you come to find out that he's just been doing this all along because the one lady's like well I was from June sixty five to you know or whatever to yeah. July I was last year's model you know that, yeah. that kind of idea yeah um still got more of the let's hear some of the facts here that's a brief quick little synopsis of the film um moving on here we have the cast of the film and oh no actually we'll move on to the awards first because the awards because they're big old award lists and i want to keep things hopefully in a consistent order i try to anyways <laughs> the awards um we have in 1994 it was actually added to the national film um preservation board for their registry in 1964 it won the best foreign film awards from the cinema writer circle in spain and for the Academy Awards in 61, it won the Oscar for Best Art Direction and Cess Directions for a Black and White Film. Um, it was awarded to Edward G. Bowe and Alexander Troner. It also won Best Picture that that year, were awarded to Billy Wilder, the director and writer and producer. <laughs> and also won the Oscar for Best Film, film Editing, awarded to Danielle Mandel. Best Director, again, awarded to Billy Wilder. And Best Writing Story and Screenplay, written directly for the screen. Also awarded to Billy Wilder. 1961, we also have the BAFTA Awards, where won the Best Foreign Actor, awarded to Jack Lemmon. Best Foreign Actress, awarded to Shirley MacLaine. And Best Film from Any Source, um, awarded to Billy Wilder. Then also in 61, for the Directors Guild of America, it won the DJ, DJA Award for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Motion Picture, awarded to Billy Wilder. Also Best Actress, Shirley. 
Best Actor again for Jack Lemmon. Best Motion Picture of the Year. Oh, Best Motion Picture and Comedy of the Year. And it was nominated for Best Director. In 1961, it was also nominated for a Grammy Award for the Best Soundtrack Album or Recording of a Music Score for a Motion Picture or Television. It does have that specific, every time they go to the apartment, it has that specific song they keep playing over yeah. throughout the movie, too. Yeah, which is surprising. It's a little motif you don't usually see in films all the time. And it's a, it's, this is an odd film to have that kind of motif in, I think. It's just an odd film. <laughs> it is an odd film. You're right. You're certainly right. Which, in terms of, like, it makes it surprising how, like, like this movie was incredibly successful in 1960. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't expect that. I, I, when I recommended this film, I had no idea how, like, popular it was. And then I was, like, I was very surprised. You're like, no, no, it won everything that year. <laughs> <laughs> um, next up, we have 1961. We have the Laurel Awards, where it won the, um, the Golden Laurel for Female Dramatic Performance, um, awarded to Shirley MacLaine. Top Male Comedy Performance, awarded to Jack Lemmon. And Top Comedy, awarded to Billy Wilder. And then for the Writers Guild of America that year, it was also the Best Written American Comedy Award, Award won. And in 1968, it also was won the MBR Award for one of the top ten films. And for the New York Film Critics Circle Awards, it won Best Film, where it tied with the film Sons and Lovers. Um, it won Best Director, and it tied once again with um, Sons and Lovers, um, directed by Jack Cardoff. Hmm. And also, but it did won singularly the Best Screenplay Award. Next up for the 1960 Venus Film Festival, where it won the Best Actress Awards for Shirley MacLaine. Next up, some of the technical details here. This is a black and white film. Aspect ratio is 2.35 by 1. And camera was the Panavision Panavision lenses. You see here. um, Production dates was November 1959 to February 1960. So about a three-month production time in the middle of winter, no less, in New York. So probably a little difficult in that respect. Good thing all those scenes were much indoors. <laughs> well, we have some trivia about that coming up. Ooh, I'll be interested in hearing that later. And next up, we're going to move on to the cast. Going to shuffle papers around, get some shuffling ears, some more noises for you. Da-da-da-da-da. First up, we have Jack Lemmon, legendary Jack Lemmon, playing the character C.C. Baxter. Jack Lemmon, of course, easily most well known for today, anyways, for Grumpy Old Men in 1993, in a movie we covered pretty recently, actually, just last year. And some like it hot in 1959. That's probably, a good movie. That's probably the one. I, I think like like top three movies. That's probably like Crumpy Old Men. Some like it hot. Probably like when you think of Jack Lemmon, you think of those movies. Yeah. And maybe this one too. Although it wasn't my knowledge, maybe it just like lost <laughs> over me. I just didn't know. But like <laughs> the more we this movie, like well, everyone should know this movie. Apparently. Yeah, because <laughs> it, it won everything. It won everything that year. You like you would think this movie would have like a cultural mainstay, but I had zero knowledge of it before I just watched it randomly <laughs> because I was like, oh, Jack Lemmon, I'll watch it. Sure, and then. You know, Find out. It's huge. And he was also in Glengarry Glenn Ross in 1992. Next up, we also have the legendary actress Shirley MacLaine playing the character of Fran Kublik. Um, Shirley MacLaine was also in the films um, Two Meals for Sister Sarah in 1970 with legendary Clint Eastwood. Guarding Tess in 1994 with Nicolas Cage. And in uh, 1983, she was in the film Terms of Endearment. Next up, we have Fred McMurray playing the character of Jeff D. Sheldrake. Jeff McMurray was in a whole lot of uh, really cool films. He was in Double Indemnity in 1944, and The Cane Mutiny in 1954. And The Egg and I, don't forget. And a bunch of Disney movies. A bunch of Disney movies. The Son of Flubber. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, popular actor of his area, too. Um, surprisingly enough, uh, they, I have not seen many Fred Murray films. Probably got to rectify that on the podcast in the future, hopefully. Um, next up, we have Ray Watson playing Joe Dibbish. 
Um, Ray Walton was also in the movie um, Popeye in 1980, and he was in the original show, the, the My Favorite Martian, in 1966, uh, 1963 to 1966, which I think is kind of cool. Like, he was the original Favorite Martian, and then Robin Williams rebooted that show <laughs> in the 80s. So it was like two characters in the same movie for Popeye. Cool. Small world. Next up, we have Jack Crushin playing Dr. Dreyfus. Jack Crushin um, was in the movies The War of the Worlds in 1953 and The Angry Red Planet in 1959. He was the neighbor doctor, Dr. Dreyfus, who helped her out when um, Fran swallowed sleeping pills. Next up, we have David Lewis playing Al Kirkby. Um, David Lewis was also in the films General Hospital in 1963. And That Certain Feeling, I believe, in the 1950s. I don't know exactly year on there. Um, next up, we have Hope Holiday playing Mrs. Margie McDougal. Mrs. Margie McDougal. <laughs> she was in the films Raw Force in 1982 and The Rounders. Next up, we have Naomi Stevens playing Mrs. Mildred Dreyfus. Naomi Stevens was also in the film Valley of the Dolls in 1967. Next up, we have Johnny Seven playing Carl um, Mastushka. Johnny Seven was in the films The Last Mile in 1959. Next up, we have Joyce Jameson playing The Blonde. Joyce Jameson was also in the film The Outlaw Josie Wells in 1976. Then we have Willard Waterman playing the character of Mr. Vanderhoff. Willard Waterman was also in the film Auntie Mame in 1958. Then we have David White playing Mr. Elcherberger. Um, David White was also in the film, oh, I believe actually in the show Bewitched in 1964. Then we have Eddie Adams playing Miss Olsen. Eddie Adams was also in the film It's a Mad, Mad, Bad, Mad World in 1963. How Absolutely. mad was it? Mad, 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 mad. <laughs> Only four mads. Like, when he goes to five mads, you were in trouble. Then, then, he, then he got to worry. Yeah, and that is the cast of The Apartment. Jimbo, take it from me. Show me some trivia or tell me how you have some thoughts on the film. Kyle, just give me the key. Give me the key. Take it. All right, so uh, now I get to do some of the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um... Paul Douglas was cast as Sheldrake, but died before filming began. He died from a heart attack while eating breakfast in New York just before he was to fly out to the coast for filming. Oh, poor guy. Uh, Kyle, do you know uh, any other movies Paul Douglas was in? Uh, no, I have no idea. Why don't you look that up? I'll look I'm it up sure right you'll probably you'll be like, it, oh, be like, oh, oh yeah, of course I've seen this yeah, guy. Yeah, I've got yeah, seventeen yeah. of his movies. But how about no like die during breakfast? I mean, like you want to go in your sleep, but then you got to wake up, cook breakfast. I just hope in the middle of eating, you have a heart attack. Oh. I just hope that he had like a buffet with biscuits and gravy, with bacon <laughs> exactly. and sausage covered with gravy. Just, you just clog his artery right there. <laughs> I mean, so much grease. If you're gonna go, man. You said Paul Douglas? Was yeah. It? Yeah, Paul Douglas. I, I, I'll recognize him immediately, I'm sure. Uh, Shirley MacLaine filmed her famous cameo in Ocean's Eleven during a break in filming of this movie. Uh, according to the Shirley MacLaine on her official website, much of the movie was written as filming progressed. The Jim Rummy game was added because, at the time, she was learning how to play the game from her friends in the Rat Pack. Kyle, name the Rat Pack. Go. <laughs> It's like Frank Sinatra, and I, I, I don't know off the top of my head. I really Sammy don't. Davis Jr. Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, you're right, you're right. You're like, you'll Dean go. Dean Martin. Dean Martin. Uh, likewise, when she yeah. started uh, philosophizing about love during a lunch break one day, this was also added to the script. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Jimbo, my, my millennialism is really going to show here. I'm looking at Paul Douglas movies right now, and I don't recognize any of them. Give, <laughs> give us uh, several. We have The Nice Guy in 1997, The Mating Game in 1959. Um, uh, Fortunella in 1958, um, uh, Bro, Bro James in 1957, 
This could be the Knight in 1957 and the Gamma People in 1956. Ooh, man, that Gamma People, I might have seen that. I've, That's been a minute. Oh, uh, there we go. We've got like a Marilyn Monroe film. We're not married in 1952. I've probably seen that one, yeah, but because it was a Marilyn Monroe film. So, yeah, I don't know I don't know Paul Douglas. I feel bad about it. Sorry, Paul. Uh, I work fine in the future. The name on the door next to Baxter's office is T.W. Plews. Tom Plews was the prop master, so... He just like, couldn't resist. Yeah, he gave a little nod to himself. That's funny. Uh, the office Christmas party scene was actually filmed on December 23rd, 1959, so as to catch everybody in the proper holiday mood, Billy Wilder filmed almost all of it on the first take, stating to an observer, I wish it were always this easy. Today I can just shout action and stand back. That's great. They, uh, just, like, just really throw a party and film it. That's all they did. Yeah. That's great. Cool. This was an interesting fact. This was the last black and white movie to win Best Picture at the Academy Awards until The Artist. Schindler's List won in 1994, but it was not completely black and white because of the the girl in the red coat and the candle at the beginning. So that is incredible. Not until The Artist, which I think was that was like that was like 2008 or nine. I think it was, or maybe something later. Um, Wouldn't be surprised. Man, that's like that's a. Like basically, almost, almost, almost fifty, almost fifty. 1960 to 2008, 2008 2009. I don't know. Wow. Uh, the CC and CC Baxter short for Calvin Clifford. Calvin. Uh, Clifford. This is uh, premier vote of this movie as one of the fifty greatest comedies of all time in two thousand six. And you know, I had never even heard of this movie, so that's why we do this podcast. Though, yeah. Um, in two thousand seven, the American Film Institute ranked this as the number eighty greatest American movie of all time. Wow. Wow. And I feel like there's so many ways where, like, I feel like this movie kind of, uh, like, I really enjoy it, but I could see a lot of people saying this movie aged poorly for a lot of really oh, good yeah, reasons. definitely. Because a lot like, of the stupid side comments and stuff. Yeah, there's, a, there's a whole lot of really just casual sexism going along. No way to put it. You know? Yeah. Or just, you know, how infidelity is treated as a no big deal. <laughs> uh, the wool coat Fran wears in various scenes actually belong to Audrey Young, the wife of Billy Wilder. It said that while filming the scene where CeCe Baxter sleeps in Central Park in the rain... Billy Wilder had to spray Jack Lemmon with antifreeze to keep him from freezing. Oh my god! <laughs> Gosh, I don't know if that's, that's a stuff joke. Get away with! Jeez, yeah. that can't be. Healthy. Oh, I was drenched in antifreeze in the middle of New York can't in the be middle healthy, of winter. Dude. No, he could have died. <laughs> he could have died from being. A, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Getting cancer later from it? I don't know. Antifreeze <laughs> is probably made of asbestos back then. I have no idea. <laughs> Uh, to get Fran to look genuinely startled when her brother-in-law punches uh, Calvin, director Billy Wilder smacked together two pieces of two-by-four during the shoot. Quack. Quack. The studio wanted none other than Groucho Marx for the role of Dr. Dreyfus, but Billy Wilder said no, saying that he wanted an actor with more dramatic weight for the part. Because I can't see, can't see Jack Lemmon going up there and be like, eh, <laughs> Groucho Marx. It's a very different role. <laughs> yeah, very, yeah. I mean, yeah. a comedy, no less. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still, it's, it, well, yeah, you're right. But it's still like, I, I like a Dr. Drivers and it's kind of like his... His, his, his Jewish quirks. You're a Jewish guy. Schmeck. It's really good New York kind of characteristics I really like. Uh, the um, film's classic last line, which was what, Kyle? What's the last line of the movie? Uh, was it dealing with the cards? Or? Shut up and deal. Shut, shut up and deal. Yeah, something like that. Uh, it was thought up by the writers at the last minute on set. <laughs> Billy Wilder claimed that Fred McMurray was a very stingy man in real life and liked to relate... Uh, an amusing incident from the filming of this picture. In one scene, McMurray was supposed to tip the uh, shoeshine boy. You remember when he, or man, remember when he was supposed mm-hmm. to tip him? And the script called for him to flip him a quarter. 
When McMurray couldn't get it right during shooting, Wilder suggested, hey, you know, why don't we use a bigger 50-cent piece? McMurray objected because I would never give him 50 cents. I cannot play this scene. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, Acting in the 60s and the 50s is just ridiculous, and I love it. <laughs> I would never. How this, dare you? This I'm scene not, is impossible. I'm not paying twice as much. <laughs> Uh, C.C. Baxter is just a poor accountant, but inside his apartment are two authentic Tiffany studio lamps worth hardly anything when the film was made, but now worth between $30,000 and $40,000 each. $30,000 and $40,000? For probably nothing. My gosh, for what would be a tacky lamp back in the day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Basically, uh, the Amazon Prime basics you get now, that's what <laughs> That's what those Tiffany lamps were right. Today. Uh, Bud's salary is $94.70 a week in 1959 or $769.26 a week. Just $40,000 a year in 2014. His rent is $85 a month or $690.47 a month in the year 2014. And we are going to establish like anything from 1960 to now is basically worth 10 times the amount of money. So right. very, very quick hand, like $87, so he's making about $870 a week. You know, right. Not bad money, but also expensive in New York living in New York. <laughs> a Jack Lemon was playing with a nasal spray prop in his dressing room and discovered if he gave it a sharp squeeze, it would squirt 10 feet. He filled it with milk to make the liquid visible on black and white film, and when Frank McMurray chastises him for creating a problem around the use of his apartment, Lemon gave the container a squeeze. The milk shot out and sailed right past McMurray's nose. Billy Wilder left the take in. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Oh, it's uh, ridiculous. I love it. I know. I love Billy Wilder and uh, I.A.L. Diamond based the film partially on a Hollywood scandal in which high-powered agents... Jennings Lang was shot by producer Walter Wenger for having an affair with Wenger's wife, actress Joan Bennett. During the affair, Lang used a low-level employee's apartment. Another element of the plot was based um, on the experience of one of Diamond's friends who returned home after breaking up with his girlfriend to find that she had committed suicide in his bed. Oh, my gosh. Once again, this movie is played just as a comedy. The real-life scenarios are much more dire. Yes. <laughs> we just... Uh, Billy Wilder created memo pads of stationery with Sheldrake's name on them, even though no one but Fred McMurray ever saw them. <laughs> That's great. Oh, man. <laughs> to create the... Oh, this is a great, great use of uh, camera uh, manipulation. To create the effect of a vast sea of faces laboring grimly and in person, uh, personally at their desk in the huge insurance company, designers Alexandre Troner and Edward G. Boyle devised an interesting technique. Full-size actors set at the desk in the front, and children dressed in suits were used at tiny desks towards the rear, followed by an even smaller desk with cutout figures operated by wires. No idea. It gave the effect of a much larger space that could That's have been achieved uh, to the limited studio space. That is incredible. I no wonder this movie got so many awards. It reminds me, it of, is it so reminds cool. me of uh, the Little Rascals when they dress up in the trench coat. <laughs> and they go walking. <laughs> The Dude, bank. One adult, please. <laughs> oh, man. I know. I see that. I said, I got to go back and watch that scene. I want to see the photos of the little kids in business. <laughs> Not just that, but behind them, just like the cardboard cutouts. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Oh man, I gotta, I gotta, I'm definitely gonna go back and rewatch yeah, it now yeah. for sure. In the scene where Carl punches Baxter, Jack Lemmon was supposed to mime being punched. He failed to move correctly and was accidentally knocked down. Billy Wilder chose to use the shot of the genuine punch in the film. So he Absolutely. actually got to use it. 
Jack Lemon actually caught a cold when one scene on a park bench was filmed in sub zero weather. Yeah, anti freeze didn't work. It was filmed in winter. Yeah, I mean, literally filmed. Was it a cold or was it something worse? Because the anti freeze. Yeah, the anti freeze, right? According to Fred McMurray, after the film's release, he was accosted by women in the street who berated him for making a dirty, filthy movie. And one of them hit him with her purse because she brought her six year old to see it thinking it was a Disney film. A whole new world. <laughs> <laughs> how, oh, how do you not know what you're taking your child to see? I love it. I love it. I just can't get enough of that, too. <laughs> There's nothing better than kid, than parents actually taking their kids to adult what films. Was, what was There's that? What was that, that? what was that show? Oh, was it Sausage Party or something that people thought they were? Oh, oh, yeah. we're gonna go Everyone see thought a it was like a DreamWorks movie. Yeah, yeah no problem no, at all. No, it's dude. not at all. No. Yeah. That's, that's a that's a biggie adulty yeah. movie. Or my favorite was like a parent taking their kids to go see Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they went to go see what was it? Like a Pixar movie, like Toy Story. Something Deadpool showed up or something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. For this film, Billy Wilder became the first person to win the Academy Awards for Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Screenplay. Hey, uh, Kyle, the $100 cash Christmas gift is equivalent to about $1,000 in 2022. C.C. Yeah. Uh, Baxter paid $15 for his bowler hat. So in 2022, that would be roughly... $160. $150. $150, okay. The yeah. inebriated Santa in the bar scene is the same actor, Hal Smith, who played the inebriated, none other than, Eric Cummings is going to love this one, ADZ, Otis Campbell on The Andy Griffith Show. <laughs> Yeah, I fear. Oh man, it was the most recent. Um, what was that Santa Claus movie with David Harbor? Um, Violent Night. Violent Night. Yes, they have the um, the Santa who is like in all the um, the um, the Hallmark films. He appears in the bar with him, get, grabbing a drink with him, and he, and he gets David Harbor a drink at the first very beginning of the film. But he's like the he's the the default Santa for all the Hallmark movies too. It's such a weird thing. Like once your cat is a Santa in a movie, you're gonna be Santa everywhere else too. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of Francis Ford Coppola's favorite films. Good for him. All right, man. Oh, man. I'm reading the news recently. He's, like, struggling with a film right now, and people were making fun of him, and then people were like, no, no, he made Apocalypse Now. <laughs> you don't get it. He's yeah. used to, like, making terrible movies. <laughs> uh, the Bentwood bed in Baxter's apartment belonged to Billy Wilder and his wife, Audrey Young. They were both uh, avid collectors of Bentwood furniture. Bentwood furniture. Wait, Bentwood. <laughs> and last but not least, Kyle, this is a very another interesting fact. During the scene where Fran overdoses on the sleeping pills, uh, a famous scene of this movie, the doctors were actually present on the set to advise accuracy on how to revive her. The harsh slaps that the doctors performed to keep Fran from becoming unconscious were all real. However, after the scene, the doctors told Billy Wilder that the actor should have slapped Shirley MacLaine harder. Wilder refused to shoot it again, though, after looking at McLean's red cheeks from being slapped so many times. <laughs> wake up! Wake up! Yeah. Wake up! Wake up! Yeah. So that's what I'm going to do when you start falling asleep in the podcast. I'm just going to reach over. Wake up, Kyle! Yeah. Wake up! Uh, I'm, I'm looking it up right now because I wonder if it's changed at all in 50 years because you would really hope so. For what? <laughs> um, overdosing on secret pills. Uh, I'm looking up over, a treatment for overdoing on sleeping pills. I'm going to look it up right now. Like, that's why I just say, just go to the hospital. Don't do that. <laughs> or I might tell you to puke. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's all I was going to say right there. But I wonder if that's changing anymore. It's, like, it, like, it's not to me you just hit with like, an EpiPen or something like that to like, clean your system. But yeah. But that's, so really, now, that's the current treatment. Of, like, no, no, if someone takes sleeping pills today, just keep slapping them. 
<laughs> it works. <laughs> yeah, you got to keep them yeah, walking. I think you for might have hours. to get your stomach pumped at some yeah. point. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you, yeah, you do. Well, even back then you had to as well. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So, Kyle, what do you think of the apartment? The apartment is an excellent film. I loved it to death before I knew it was a huge success. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, this film is great. I love Shirley McLean. Love Jack Lemmon. Um, Fred McMurray is, a movie, is an actor. I got to see more films with him in um, definitely because each character just um, plays their role to a T. No problem at all. Their performances are great. The comedy is very funny, even if the kind of the premise is so uh, objectionable. <laughs> I mean, just like everyone's pretty bad, actually. Even Jack Lemon for being so okay with it, like it's like it's really kind of crass. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, uh, but it's it's just, it's a really entertaining watch. All the same, it's amazing how how well it's written that you can get over how like objectionable the premise is by how entertaining the dialogue is and the characters are. Um, I think the the ending maybe is a little bit weak because it just it feels like you just kind of like. We're watching the movie, watching the movie, and it's like, oh, we're done. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. It doesn't like feel like a, a real climax. It feels like they just cut the movie like four fifths the way through. <laughs> it's like, and then happily ever after, it's fine. <laughs> I was like, wait. <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminded me of the only bad part of this movie I thought was the ending because it reminded me of like back in the Universal Monster Days when the monster said, boom, it's done. No, this is like, hey, just deal me in, and you're like. So they're just gonna play cards, and she goes home. And so, I mean, you know, there was no, like no closure to. Mm-hmm. Where the relationship was heading, yeah. unless you want the apartment to come out, you know what I mean. But, yeah, uh, that's probably the only downside of the movie that I can think of is the ending, mm-hmm. um, because she just comes back and says, because they were trying to play this gin rummy game the whole movie, yeah. and she's like, "Hey, just shut up and deal, or deal me in, or whatever, deal the cards." Uh, that's the only downsides I have to this movie. That and, and some of the content may not be suitable for children, even though it's presented in a comedic fashion. There is still some dram- dramatic elements to this movie, mm-hmm. but other. Yeah. Uh, if I'm going to have to give it, I'll probably give it about a 7 out of 10, maybe an 8 out of 10 um, yeah, for something I've never this, seen this before. Movie, yeah, yeah. It's like, it like right at like, I'm not going to say a strong 8, but it's an 8 for me. That's kind of like solid 8 for me right, right there. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a, that's a fair assessment. I think that's a fair fair, fair deal. So, yeah, yeah. Um, if you haven't seen this movie, definitely give it a watch. Um, it's very entertaining. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to expect going in, um, but there was a couple times where I actually laughed out loud because I was like, I can't believe this just happened, or that I can't believe they it, it, said it's that. It's so ridiculous and in you're a lot like, of ways. Yeah. How did they get away with this? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, especially when he's like showing off, hey, look, look at my new hat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah, so that's the apartment. Yeah, I, th- uh, I think it's funny. Like, this is like, this is like as outrageous as I got for comedy in 1960s in a lot of weird ways. You know, like like this is like I was like this is like American Pie or like The Hangover for the year it came out in my weird way. Where it's like obviously you're not going to show anything too wrong and you're not going to even allude to anything too raunchy. But this is the idea of like this is about as raunchy as it gets for 1960 movies without just being straight up adult films. <laughs> Probably in a lot of ways, and so I think this film is a. This is definitely an adult film. This is not a kid film. In a yeah, lot of ways, you kind of wonder when the uh, uh, the ratings uh, censor boards kind of yeah, came in there. When did it? When did it? Uh, well, they were still in full swing in the sixties. Well, I know, but sure, when but. did it officially die? Because the stuff they get away with today is no is way worse. Uh, you probably want to look at the Reagan era. That's probably right, right when things kind of started, like because a lot of stuff like relieving like child marketing and all those kind of things. So too. that's what he meant when he said Gorbachev. <laughs> he's like, out these walls. Walls. <laughs> censorship, baby. Um, that's 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 probably the line where I probably look the most. That, that's off a of guess, course. I don't I don't actually know anything ever. But <laughs> this is true. Take that for granted. But that's where I probably would look for like when things got like especially like the horror movies of the '80s and like those kind of things too. So that's where things kind of like shifted in a weird way. Right. Yeah. But I wonder if you, Kyle. For our next movie, I'm going to have you ask you, 
What movie broke the sensor barrier ship? And I want you to have an answer. Oh, boy. so you better hurry because we're recording right after this. I, I, right? I want to know so, that too. So right. we'll, we'll look into it. So we'll, we'll have that it. answer for you next week. But next week, we get to do a movie Jimbo picked Jimbo out. Shoes. And a and, classic one at that. Well, not only that, but I don't think I've ever seen this before. What? Yeah. And if I oh did. Gosh. No, I don't think I you ever have. this before that. Okay, okay. But well, it is Flight of the Navigator. Navigator. It's a Disney film, and I'm surprised I never saw it before, but if. Good old Pee Wee Hermans is in it as the voice of Max, so this is yeah. a very interesting movie. So uh, I can't wait for you guys to hear that. It was a fun movie to to watch and, and even to do some of the trivia on. It's oh, yeah. pretty funny. Lots so. of talk about in that one too. I'm excited. Well, if you'd like to reach out to us, uh, it's the same spill I give every time. Uh, the Tragedy Cinema at Gmail dot com. Uh, you can reach out to us on our Facebook, uh, the Tragedy Cinema Podcast Twitter. group on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say Kyle and TikTok, but uh, we all know that's not going to happen. So. <laughs> You know, one of these days he's just going to be like, hey, I put out a TikTok. Exactly. Like, it's going to be a whole huh? surprise. Like, I have what? the whole production ready and so, all that stuff, too. Uh, <laughs> if you want to leave us a review, uh, we'll read it on the air. We don't care. A good, bad, the ugly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Kyle, Kyle, we might make Kyle read the bad ones, though, since they're used to him. So <laughs> They're all about me. All the bad ones are about me, anyways. <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you what the consistency is. Kyle, you need to slow down when you talk and mm-hmm. when you read. You need to yeah. slow down. Exactly. Don't you get so nervous? So he's going to go. The uh, like the sloth and uh, it's, gonna be a, it's gonna be a three hour podcast. Oh, the Zootopia character, <laughs> they'll have to, the yeah, sloth they'll, and Zootopia. They'll have to speed it up to like 2.5. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, with that being said, Kyle, you got any famous last words? Um, famous last words before I die on this podcast, I think I would kind of like go back to like you know, some like it hot. Others like in an apartment in the cold of winter New York. And some just like to buy time until Jimbo hands him the clipboard to exit the show. Not a clipboard, a clapboard, Kyle. Sorry, the clapboard was across the room. I had to go get it. I forgot where it was, too. I didn't even think about it. So (laughs) So with that being said, this episode's coming to a close, and that's a wrap. And cut.